This is our fourth episode in our series with Lon Welsh. And this one goes into a deeper dive into the real estate investor's decision tree. So make sure you listen to the previous episode because this is the second part to it. And what Lon does is he takes nine factors, nine very important factors that help you determine what type of investment you should do. And we do them across three very popular investment strategies right now. Passive real estate investing, buying long-term rentals, and buying and operating short-term rentals. So this is great knowledge in here. Check the show notes for a webinar link for more details on passive investing with Lon and Ironton Capital, and check the show notes for more resources on long-term and short-term rentals. Enjoy this episode, and after this one, we're taking a couple weeks break to go back into more local Denver real estate investing news. We'll come back with the second part of the Lon Welsh series. Enjoy. You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Welcome back, everyone. I've got Juan Welsh in the studio to do our second part in our investor tree decision. It's very important for investors to know what investment is right for them, but also all the pros and cons to it. Lon, you're going to walk us through three scenarios today, I believe. I'm really, really excited to do this. So I've been teaching classes on investing in real estate for nearly 20 years. I've written a couple of books on it. I've had hundreds, if not a thousand people go through my classes. And what's been interesting is like some of the people actually take the advice and then go off and invest. And then you find out how did it turn out for you afterwards. And a lot of times people are disappointed and it's because they didn't fully understand what they were getting themselves into at the very front of the investment. So when I wrote this chapter, the first part, which we did on the earlier episode, is helped you to figure out what type of investments are appropriate for you and which ones are not appropriate. Um, and then now that you've got a small list of potentially appropriate investments from the last episode, I want to help you figure out how to pick which one of those small number of investments is exactly right and set your expectations the correct way so that when you actually get into this, you're not ambushed by some negative surprise. So I'm going to use three examples. Um, there, there's nine dimensions that I think of that you should know about when you underbark, uh, embark on the investing journey. And I'm going to go through all nine of those dimensions with you. And I'm going to use three case studies to kind of bring that to life. We're going to take a look at what if I did a passive investment? What if I did a long-term rental? probably like a condo. And what if I did a short-term rental like on Airbnb? And then we're going to compare and contrast these nine dimensions on the pros and cons on each of these nine dimensions. And I think after you go through this, this is going to really prompt a lot of questions in your mind. Go to our website, then get the chapter of my book, and then you can read through all the material for all the investment types. And then you can feel like you've really made a really well-informed decision about your path forward. And if you run into questions, Email us, text us, and we'll try to help you along the way. I've helped lots of people through this. I can help you too. So the first dimension is what's the amount of equity that's needed? And that was one of the very uh, prominent questions within the investor tree. So if you're going to be doing something uh, passively, it's going to be a real estate investment trust, a REIT, uh, a syndication, or a fund. So you may only need you know $10,000, maybe as, as much as $100,000 for that. Um, if you're doing a long-term rental condo, about 25 grand would be enough to get you into the game. If you're looking in Pueblo, probably about 50 grand if you're looking kind of in Denver. Um, if you're looking for a short-term rental, you're buying the same asset, let's say a condo, about the same cost to get in. But then you'll also need to furnish the condo. Uh, so all the furniture, soft goods, plates, maybe ten dollars or $12,000 in addition to that. So 37000 would probably get you started there. So I think that's like the easiest one 
that's one that everyone tends to focus on. Uh, and they've got a good idea of how that works out. Um, in the book update that I've got here, I'm going to be updating my entire real estate investing in Colorado book. So you're basically getting an advanced copy of chapter one well in advance. Um, I put in there the average home and condo price for Pueblo, Colorado Springs, Denver, and Northern Colorado. So you've got all that information. So you can kind of calibrate for your specific market or asset class. Uh, we did houses, condos, and apartment buildings. Um, what kind of equity requirements you might have. So I hope that'll be a great resource for you. The next one is credit score. Uh, credit score was also one of the questions that came up in that decision tree that we looked at. So, you know, just high, medium, low really is all that you have there. Um, if you're looking at passive investments, doesn't matter what your credit score is. Uh, they're going to know want to know if you're accredited or not, but that's completely unrelated, unrelated to what your FICO score is. Um, if you're buying an asset like a condo to do either long or short-term rental, obviously the better your credit, the easier it's going to be for you to get a loan that you like. So I think that's pretty obvious too. No one's ever ambushed by that. Or hopefully not. The next one, though, can be an ambush. So we'll talk about this a little bit. And that's your experience level with contractors. Do you enjoy working with them? Or can you at least tolerate working with contractors? Uh, that's probably the better word, particularly now because there's such a scarcity of, of skilled talent available out there. So once again, if you're doing a passive investment, there's no contracting work for you. You've delegated all that off to the general partner, and that's their headache to deal with. And you just cash a check. It's fantastic. With a rental condo or a rental short-term uh, condo, you're not going to have a lot of interaction because the HOA is going to do an awful lot of the work for you. Um, I know there's a lot of investors that are very resistant to the idea of an HOA. They think this is a gigantic waste of money. Um, I've owned a lot of properties that were in HOAs. and I've reviewed a lot of HOA budgets and I go through them like, there's not a lot of fat in here. Like someone's got to shovel the snow. Someone's got to put aside reserves to replace the roof. Someone's got to like maintain the boiler. Like if I wasn't paying the HOA to do this, like all this stuff would have to happen anyway. Um, so I, I would encourage you to be open-minded about HOAs. Um, that, that can actually be a good thing. If you decide to do a, a house versus a condo, then a lot of the repair responsibility will be your job. So then the familiarity with contractors would be more important. If contractors aren't your thing, rental condos might be better than rental houses. Moving along, what's my experience level with property managers? So again, if it's a passive investment, don't care. General, man, general partner is going to deal with all that for me. There's a real disparity between long and short-term rentals in this one particular bucket. So with a long-term rental, if you decide to do it yourself, it's going to be some work, but it's doable. Um, but if you buy, get a property manager to help you out, the long-term rental is really going to be a piece of cake. It should be very little burden for you. Um, short-term rentals are an enormous amount of work. And this is where a great short-term rental manager is the total difference between success, I believe, and failure. So what you're going to find is that when you're on Airbnb, it's almost always going to be a competitive market. And a lot of times, the first person that gets back to a, pros a prospect with a query about how close are you to the light rail or what's the parking situation is going to be like, or I've got a four-year-old coming with me, how's that going to work with your place? The speed to response to those sort of questions is going to drive if you get that prospect to stay with you or your competitor. So your occupancy and then really the average daily rate you can get is very much influenced by your speed of response and the quality of your responses. So if you're a busy professional, having a short-term rental could really be a thorn in your side versus if you have a property manager on your short-term rental who's competent, really makes all the difference in the world. Uh, and there's always a lot of things that come up with short-term rentals like, you know, I can't find the frying pan or I'm having this issue or that. They, they have a lot more needs because they think you're the concierge. Again, so if you've got a great property manager, they're going to love you. They're going to write really good reviews. The people with good reviews float to the top of the list. 
then you get the premium customers, they pay more. It becomes this virtuous loop. So the experience of property managers, um, particularly with short-term rentals, is really, really important. Make sure you really understand that. If, you need, if you're in the Denver area and need referrals on that, reach out to me and I'll help you out. Time required. So I broke this into two buckets, the time to get started with the investment and then the ongoing time mm-hmm. commitment within the investment. And I think of all the things that people tend to get ambushed by, this tends to be one of the bigger ones. They don't realize like this can be an awful lot of work. So on the, on the time for getting started, if it's passive, there is a time commitment there. This is actually one of the few commitments among the dimensions where you're going to have with passive investment. That's who do I hire? So if it's going to be a passive in a REIT, there's over 1,100 REITs. Which one do I invest in? So that's like a whole decision tree trying to figure it out on its own. Um, if you're lucky enough to know a number of syndicators, choosing between them might take a bit of time. But most people don't know any syndicators, so that ends up getting crossed off the list. Um, one of the advantages of investing in a fund is that we figure out which projects you should do because we underwrite them all for you and just bring the very best ones to you. But yeah, that's a huge time savings. On the rental side, um, I would put in 40 hours uh, for both the rental condo and maybe a little bit more than that if you're going to do a short term. And that's just the normal hunt of finding out what neighborhood do I want to shop in? What price points can I afford? Um, am I satisfied with the different trade-offs I need to make? Interviewing a property manager, making sure I feel like I've got the right chemistry with them. Bringing the property manager to my finalist, making sure that they, they work. Getting the thing under contract, doing the inspection, arranging the financing, getting it closed. And then if it's a short-term rental, someone's got to go buy all that furniture unless it came furnished and all the linens and get the stuff all set up. So there's a 40 to 60 hour time commitment at least to perform all those activities. That I don't think is like too much of a mystery to people. What is a mystery is what's the ongoing time commitment once I've got the asset in place. Um, so all the different asset types are on the website in this chapter. I'm gonna, so I'll, I'll go through the rental condos. Assuming you decide to get a property manager long-term, zero to three hours a week. It's very, very little time commitment or friction. Um, if you're gonna do a short-term rental with a manager, probably zero to three. If you're gonna do it yourself, it's not going to be a lot of hours. Maybe it's going to be 10 or 15 hours a month. I'm sorry, those are both monthly, not per week. But it's like a lot of little paper cuts. Like, got a minute, got a minute, got a minute, got a minute. And they're urgent that they've got to be responded to relatively quickly or else your ratings are going to suffer. And sometimes it's not the amount of hours, it's the number of interactions and it can just sort of eat you alive. So if you're thinking short-term rental and you want to do it yourself, really make sure that you've got a full awareness of that commitment so that you're not going to be displeased um, with the results. Most of my friends who have done short-term rentals are really happy with the financial results, but the work, if they manage themselves, is they're not happy with that. The next dimension is the number of monthly interactions. So um, if you're doing a long-term rental and you've got a property manager, might be zero, might be two or three, very, very few interactions. It's going to disrupt you very little. Um, Back to short-term rentals, it's going to be nonstop. So we, we talked about that. What about for passive investing? Uh, should be close to nothing. You'll you'll get like a quarterly report, which if you're curious, you'll take a look at. And I, what I find is like, if the report is favorable and things are mostly on plan, I don't think anybody reads beyond the executive summary. And if there's an investment in there where they're in trouble, then they read the whole thing. Then there's a lot of questions. So it's kind of a binary thing. Not a whole lot though. Good question. The perception of hassle. So hassle is very much in the eye of the beholder. Some people are going to see hassle in things that other people might find to be not a big deal or even possibly a pleasant interaction. But I think you're going to find if you have a property manager on a long-term rental, it's about as low a hassle 
as active investing really can be. Um, that can really be desirable. Um, for short-term rental, if you enjoy all the interactions with people, uh, that's, you're going to have a great time. If you don't, you need to hire a manager. You're going to drive yourself crazy. The last dimension is risk tolerance. And everyone's a little bit different in their approach to this as well. So what's great about the passive uh, investing is that you're not guaranteeing the loan. So there's a lot less stress, I think, for most people. Um, as opposed to um, if you buy the asset, of course, you're going to have to guarantee the loan if anything goes wrong. Very, very small probability anything would go wrong with it. But you know, it's always in the back of some people's minds. Some people kind of eats away them, or they eats with their spouse, and that's almost worse. Um, I think with the rental condo, though, long term or short term, it's about as low risk as you can get. As opposed to like buying an office building because it's a relatively small financial commitment, and it's a very liquid market. If you decide, gosh, you know, I've done this for two years, I'm not having as much fun as I thought. I can sell it and it's not going to be tough to sell it at the end. So those are the nine dimensions of different types of investments. And if you're thinking about fix and flips or buying an apartment building, you can go through this and you'll get an entirely different set of answers and you can kind of weigh the pros and cons and see how you feel about it. Lon, this is fantastic. And just as a reminder, uh, you can go to the website, link is in the show notes below. Uh, go to the website, download the chapter and download the decision tree. Thanks so much, Lon. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thank you.